This is Not Worth Living, a podcast that features creators interviewing themselves with a preset list of questions. Unlike other podcasts that feel like conversation between friends, this one aims to feel like eavesdropping on a psychiatrist's visit. Today's episode features... I'm Sam Richard. Uh, I am a writer. I own and operate Weird Punk Books, where I publish weird-ass horror books. Um, and I'm here to interview myself, essentially. Uh, I have a list of questions that Ira has prepared, and we will see how this goes. Uh, the first question that I'm going to ask myself is, what was the first time I remember creating something intentionally? I don't have a real great memory of my childhood uh, in general. My memory is pretty spotty probably because of my wife dying, uh, the which obviously didn't happen when I was a child, but the PTSD uh, has fucked with my memory a lot. And I already had like a pretty hazy memory of like specifics in my childhood. Uh, which also wasn't, like, a breeze in a lot of ways. Uh, so I don't remember the first time. I, I do remember a lot of drawing. I was just constantly drawing when I was a kid. Uh, I wanted to be a comic book artist, like, all of my childhood. And so I just always had a pencil in hand, and I was always drawing dumb little bullshit and weird tried to make my own superheroes all of which i'm sure were terrible um yeah that was and even before the superheroes i was just always drawing weird little monsters and i don't know jesus shit probably because it's what my mom wanted me to draw uh but yeah i i always i was always drawing would i open an envelope with my death date that's like the most double-edged sword question and there's a part of me that knows that I wouldn't want to know that information because, you know, obviously once you have that kind of date set in stone, if if possible, uh, that I feel like that would be just an anxiety machine. Um, but on the other hand, there is a part of me that would want to open the envelope. And this is going to sound really dark, but like in the hopes that it's sooner than later, uh, I could... I'd probably be pretty happy to be done pretty soon. Uh, but I don't know. I, th- I think that's an impossible question to know the answer to. I, I don't think I would let myself uh, do it. It would, it would be a, a really strong drive to want to know, but I don't think I would ultimately let myself open it. Uh, I, I always think of Crawl, the very late 70s, very early 80s space fantasy movie Crawl, where the Cyclopses are uh, cursed with the knowledge of when they'll die, like their whole lives, and how that directs their choices, because if they stay at home, then maybe it won't be a gruesome, violent death, but if they, you know, on the, on the day or around the time, but if they decide in the case of the, the Cyclops, who is part of the team in the in the movie uh he ultimately decides to help them win even though it means that he gets crushed to death 
Uh, what makes me tick? I have no fucking idea. I don't know. Uh, maybe a contradiction to uh, what I was saying a few minutes ago about, not even a few minutes ago, shortly, uh, about maybe the desire for life to not drag on super long. I do think one of the things that makes me tick is the drive to survive, the drive to keep going in spite of all the bullshit, uh, in spite of all the awful things in life. Um, I also just like love fun and cool and weird shit. I don't know. I, I, I think that's a big part of it. Like getting to engage with new art, getting to read rad books, uh, watch weird ass movies uh we'll go and look at really fucking cool paintings uh drink new varieties of delicious beer uh eat delicious fucking food i don't know like there's a lot of things it's life is hard and strange uh i do think that anything we can do to combat the like the forces that are trying to keep us miserable uh is a net good and sometimes that means just like trying your best to enjoy even the little things even things that seem arbitrary even things that seem not that important like you know, just some weird fucking horror book or whatever it is for for you know you uh yeah that's a hard question i don't know and good weird shit friends fun uh being lazy as fuck i don't know all of it none of it i don't know uh what keeps me motivated is a very similar type of question uh i don't know uh i i think it, it almost maybe this sounds like cliched but like an innate uh drive to create and in it it ebbs and flows it comes and it goes but you know it i always come back to it it's always kind of sitting there in my chest this like i have to do this i have to write this i have to focus on working uh, on on some piece of fiction uh to to get it out of me it's almost it's often almost a purge uh like a, a lancing yeah and, and that like I said, it ebbs and it flows, so it's never, like, my motivation is very uneven, uh, and I'll go through periods of time where I'm not currently really doing any kind of writing, and, and other times I'm writing a lot, and I've just kind of learned to live with that being the reality of how I operate, uh, which I know is, you know, not a thing for some writers, and I know some writers are very much of the school of like you have to write every day or you have to write x amount of days a week or x amount of words a week or whatever and i just I, i've tried that and it never works for me and it always feels like i reach a point where there's nothing left in the tank and i'm just writing like the worst shit just I, i'm not attached to it i don't care about it i don't feel it and it becomes like a net loss it, both time investment and you know material produced uh, so I don't do that and maybe I would be better to strike some kind of balance between the, that school and the school of, I just write when I feel inspired, but, uh, I don't know. It's what I do. And 
is some of the time it works for me. It's, it doesn't work for me all the time. I don't fucking know. Uh, my latest project uh, that was released, I'm assuming, was Grief Rituals, which came out in October. And it's my second short story collection. And it's all, uh, for the most part, very sad horror stories that I wrote kind of in the wake of my wife dying I mean, further out though than my first short story collection and it's i don't know i'm really proud of it it's uh weird and different but not it's like the relationship with grief and the relationship with loss like five years out is so much different than my first book to wallow in ash and other sorrows was you know, some of those stories were written in like two weeks after she died. So it's just my relationship with the whole thing is different. And not that every story is directly about, you know, a widower or something, but you know, certainly some of them are, but they're all informed emotionally by that experience. And it was really strange to kind of realize the evolution of uh, what that has meant for me uh, on a like creative level, much less on an emotional level and how that relationship evolves and changes and grows. And I don't know, becomes, you know, in a weird way, less present, but also more. It, it's strange. Grief is fucking weird. Uh, yeah. So grief rituals and around the same time as that came out, uh, I also put out, uh, along with Joe Koch, uh, we did stories of the eye, which was an anthology. Uh, project that is about the relationships between artists and their subjects that is one of my favorite books that like I've, I've edited I don't know like fucking 10 anthologies or something and it's easily one of my favorite and I love them all but it's that book is like next level it is above and beyond it's uh I really wish it would gain a bigger audience because the people who connect like most of the people it seems who've read it really connect with it and think that it's I don't want to sound arrogant, but people have said that it feels like important. Like it's a uh, um, kind of brought something new to the horror uh, world that maybe hasn't been near quite in the same way. Yeah. So both those books are the most recent bigger projects uh, that have come out for me. Um, speaking of projects, if money was no object, what would be my dream project? I don't know. Uh, you know, I I think a big part of it would just be being able to have the resources to make weird punk larger, to make weird punk operate more smoothly and more professionally. Uh, as it's a one person operation, wherein I do everything other than like the authors obviously write their books, but everything on the clerical, admin, marketing sides of it and it's all me and it's kind of how it needs to be but it would also be really fucking awesome if there was so much money that <laughs> i didn't have to worry about uh any of that and i could you know actually hire some people with like living wages uh to help out to help get things done to help facilitate bringing in new books and ramping up the amount of books that i publish uh 
uh, I guess that's like the first and the foremost uh, thing that comes to mind. Certainly there are others. I did listen to, I listened to all of the other episodes of Not Worth Living that have been recorded up till when I'm recording. Uh, and I do really like Joe's answer to that question of like a commune uh, space for writers. Um, something like that would also be amazing. There are a lot of thoughts of what would be really cool to do with endless supplies of money uh, for dream projects. I think about film a lot too, which is, you know, something that you obviously need massive budgets for. I mean, I guess you don't. There's micro-budget film too, but, you know, I like the glitz and flash of really awesome practical effects, so like 80s style. So, you know, if I could... That would be on the docket too. I'd love to help finance really cool uh, adaptations of weird ass horror stories getting turned into movies. So lots of things, I guess, is is the true answer to that question. But but definitely number one is making weird punk a more stable. Not that it's the threat of falling apart, but you know, making it a more stable entity with other people involved who could actually benefit financially from it as well trying to build it up within the small press scene to a place where it's more visible for a lot of people uh, but still keeping it like independent uh, and fucking diy as possible basically want it to be like the discord records uh or the ak press of horror fiction so you know that kind of vibe would i be friends with myself I honestly don't know. Yeah, I don't. That's a hard question. Um, it's really easy to look inward and just see your faults. There have been times where I've wondered why, like, my friends, you know, kept me around uh, and stayed friends with me. Because I can be, I pull away a lot, uh, which I think is a lot of people get. They understand, like, with being a widower, it's really hard just in general to survive uh but it's really especially hard to reach out to people sometimes it's really hard to not self-isolate I'm, I'm very self-isolation uh like a self-isolationist when it comes to being really heavily uh in kind of grief territory which just ebbs and flows on its own accord uh so i think that you know i'd like to think i'd be be stoked to be friends with myself but i also know that i i'm not gonna say i like am not easy to be friends with in that i like cause all sorts of drama and uh fucking am needlessly an asshole or anything like that it's not that but i i definitely I'm, I'm kind of a you know hard to pin down in terms of hanging out i'm hard to pin down in terms of getting a straight answer for like what's going to happen when sometimes and it's that's often a product of grief that's a product of uh my life experience at this point uh that's kind of informed uh some maybe not great shit in my brain basically grief really shapes uh your brain in new ways ptsd really shapes your brain in new ways so i'm like trying but it's a you know can be a struggle and maintaining friendships Luckily, everyone's stuck around, but uh, maintaining, like, actively maintaining friendships of, like, hanging out and talking and spending time together can be really hard sometimes. 
Yeah, I, I I would hope I would like I would be friends with myself. But I would have to give myself both of myselves would have to give the other a lot of grace, which fortunately all of my friends have done. So, so yes, question mark I guess is the real answer to that question. Let's see, what do I do differently from other people? I have no fucking idea. Uh. I don't know what other people do or how they do it. <laughs> We're talking about it's, it, these questions are, I love how Ira left them like vague enough that it's in relation to whatever the reader thinks it is. So my brain keeps going back to writing uh, or like art in general. Uh, but that's not what the question is necessarily about. That's my interpretation of the question. Like, what do I do in term or do differently from other people? Could be that I cook differently than other people. It could be that I sleep differently than other people. I probably do. Uh, probably pet my cat differently than other people would pet my cat. But uh, in terms of anything that might be interesting to a potential listener to this, I think I'll keep it more focused on the art. Uh, and maybe that's also not maybe you're not that interested in that either that's fine uh but what i do differently from other people i think in terms of my writing is i think i have a knack for distilling down the realities of traumatic like deeply personal loss into and like channeling that into fiction not that there are other people who can't do that or don't do that but i think you know I'm not them, they're not me. I do it a very specific way or very specific set of ways. I guess that would sound like all my stories are the same, which I don't think they are, but I I think that's one thing uh, in general that I'm really good at and that I see missing in a lot of so-called like grief horror or grief fiction, which is a genre I didn't realize I was a part of until I started seeing people use that term for my work and other people's work. Uh, and you know, amongst that set of people who, and it's a pretty wide swath, you know, of people who write stories like that. And certainly a lot of them are very emotionally intense and emotionally deep, but, um, there are often things that are from my experience, which again is no other people's experiences, but you know, from my ex specific experience of spousal death, uh, I think I've been able to capture like the totality of like the baffling what the fuckness in a way that I think is missed among a lot of that type of work, a lot of that type of writing. And I, you know, could be wrong. I'm not trying to blow smoke up my own ass, but it is something that I worked really hard to try to capture because, uh, at the end of the day, especially those earliest stories that I wrote right after Mo died, you know, was about truly, it was about survival for myself of like getting that what I was feeling down on the page and in that the only way it was going to be worth doing is if there was like a really intense honesty about that otherwise it wasn't worth it otherwise it was useless uh to to, to do at all so it just kind of helped build in this emotional honesty that I've tried to carry over to to like all my work as time has gone on uh, and that was already important to me anyhow but like really truly getting to the roots of those things was, was 
not just like the goal in a aesthetic or thematic way, uh, but the point of doing it at all. Yeah. Is there a quote or motto that I work by? There actually kind of is. Uh, it's going to sound really ridiculous, but I often return to transcendence through suffering, which was a thing that I was using even before I was a widower. I, I do think that that concept, like suffering is an innate to the world, right? Suffering is something that we will all, we all experience, we will all continue to experience. Uh, and to find something within that that is worthwhile or positive or even just illuminating, I guess positive, not positive, but illuminating, uh, is I think a, a good quality is a good goal. Uh, and I've kind of always had that, uh, I think so prior, even prior to Mo dying, dealing with clinical depression and all sorts of fun stuff like that. Uh, I just, it, it always seemed like part of the, again, kind of part of the point of the work was like exploring these things to maybe gain new understanding, uh, in, in and of that, the act of creation can become a good or neutral, uh, but, you know, having learned something from it is, I guess, points in the right direction, and that I believe almost, I don't know, it's not like I'm evangelical about it, but that kind of subtle personal belief uh, has only strengthened over time and given, again, given like widowhood, where I really do feel like there is... There's no inherent meaning in Mo dying. That that's just the facts for me. There's no I hate that like it all fucking happened for a reason bullshit. Never approach me with that. But I do think that like that it happened because it happened, what do you do with that? Anything terrible that happens in your life, like what do you do with that? And for me, I think you know, the answer has always been trying to find something within that, even if it just means like a greater understanding of myself. And that, that maybe sounds like weirdly selfish or maybe, it's, I don't know, it, it's like I don't want people to walk away from hearing that and thinking that it means that I like some kind of weird main character syndrome or uh, the idea that, like, the like, really shitty idea of, like, well, bad things happen, so you can learn something. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that bad things happen, and because bad things happen, how you choose to deal with those things is ultimately important for your own survival, and how I've chosen to deal with those things is to try to find some kind of understanding or even just strive for some kind of understanding within that. And that usually means looking inward. I don't think that, you know, like, when she died, I didn't get some great, like I said, like, fuck that, it was all meant to be thing. That only bolstered my feeling that we're completely alone in a, like, chaotic, uncaring universe, and that that's not a scary thought, because it didn't happen for a reason. She just died because her you know, aorta exploded, and uh, the lesson there is the lesson that you strive to find because you've decided to strive to find one. 
And for me, it's been a multitude of lessons as, as many of these types of experiences will be for most people, but also that it's like, I guess the, the grand scheme of things, the idea is that it's worth exploring, trying to find some kind of understanding within that. Again, not that, oh, this was meant to be, or it's all part of God's plan or some bullshit like that. Fuck that. No, it's that this kind of shit will just happen. And is there, and not even necessarily a lesson, but is there some kind of illumination within that? You know, in, in the case of her death, a, a lot of that has just been to, that it's important for me to carry on uh, moving through the world in a way that she would have, in a way that, like how she was like the warmest, kindest person who treated everyone knew she met like she, you know, had known them for years like everybody was an old friend but she also didn't suffer fools gladly if someone was being a piece of shit she let them know <laughs> uh but uh, like choosing to move through the world more like her than i did you know when she was still here is like i guess one of the things that i've taken from her that that, that again i don't want to say like a lesson learned but one of the kind of profound realizations that I've had is like that is a way of continuing her life is to live it in a way that, that she was when she was alive to live my life in a way mirroring or in the spirit of you know how she walked through the world I believe finally the last question is what would you like your epitaph to say sorry what would I like my epitaph to say I believe I'll be doing that all uh, interview. Um, I actually think just transcendence through suffering would probably be, that's good enough. You can put that on my, my grave if I have one. Uh, I, I also like the nothing was beautiful and everything hurt, but I think, uh, yeah, I think transcendence through suffering. It, it's a nice baffling one that if you were walking through a cemetery and saw a, uh, gravestone that had that on it you know i think there'd be some head scratching if if i could leave have that be my legacy in life and in death is just walking by seeing it and scratching your head then i'd be a pretty proud person i think of all of my accomplishments uh that is the end of the questions uh i'd like to thank ira rat uh, for having me on Not Worth Living, and I'd also like to apologize to him because he sent me these questions, like, easily a month and a half ago, and it just has taken me this long to get to them. Uh, yeah, thank you all for listening. I'm Sam Richard. Uh, I own and operate Weird Punk Books. Uh, weirdpunkbooks.com. If you're interested in horror on the weirder end of the spectrum, uh, my own books are on there as well. Uh, got books from a lot of really rad authors uh, a lot of queer authors a lot of body horror a lot of stranger type of stuff some cosmic horror uh some splatter punk you know the good shit uh so check it out if you either like or were completely annoyed by what i had to say how about you stop over there and maybe pick up a book or two if you order from directly from the press 
uh, the authors literally get twice the money than if you're ordering on them on Amazon. And I will be the one like packing your order and leave them put in extra little goodies in there for you. So it's worth doing. Uh, thanks so much. Have a good one. Bye.